Thirsty? You've come to the right place to wet your whistle. It's the Liquid Lifestyle with Ryan McGarrian, a full hour of liquid refreshment. Now, here's Ryan. And a majestic Saturday afternoon to you, my thirsty listener. And at the sound of my voice is nipping at your ears at this very moment, you know that it's time for another round with us at the Liquid Lifestyle here on the Radio Northwest Network. And as always, I'm your host and on-air bartender, Ryan McGarrian. And if you're joining us for the very first time, this little show of mine is dedicated to all things liquid and delicious with a special leaning towards potent potables, which specifically to me means spirits and cocktails, beers and wines with occasional forays into coffee and tea, along with, of course, the fine folks and joints that serve them up, be them right here in P-Town, the city of roses, hips and uh, hops and hipsters, or uh, parts far, far beyond. And um, today, we find ourselves back out on the road, specifically in the nation's capital in Washington, D.C. And if you haven't been out here, there is a really sweet food and beverage scene. And uh, I just love this city. I mean, it's, I don't know if uh, you've had the chance to get out here recently, but I mean, just the architecture, I mean, the Parisian architecture, the boulevards in Washington, D.C., just the colonial, you know, sensibility. I don't know. I, I, I can wax nostalgic about how much I enjoy this area. But uh, coming out here gives me uh, the opportunity to catch up with some really awesome folks, some good friends. And today it's no different. We are sitting at Restaurant Eve, which is in Alexandria, Virginia. Restaurant Eve is a juggernaut uh, in the uh, culinary, uh, culinary community here on the East Coast. Nine James Beard nominations over the years. And uh, their owner, uh, himself, uh, a James Beard, nom- uh, James Beard nominee five times, uh, will be joining us today, uh, Todd Thrasher, man. Todd, what's cracking, my man? Not much, my friend. Nice to have you out here. Dude, I hope the weather's treating you all right. Dude, it's it's very nice today. It's, it's a little bit crummy the last couple of days, but uh, takes you back to Portland a little bit. A little bit, man. But I mean, I'm seeing that I'm seeing that weather, and I'm just like I'm just foaming at the bit. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw my lunar tempos on. I'm gonna take a big I'm gonna take a big lap around the mall later, man. It's a it's gonna be a good day, man. But uh, man, so much to talk about. Uh, you've had an incredible career. I mean, there's you know a few people that I get to talk to like this that. Uh, have have seen the scope of this cocktail renaissance. I mean, you've been doing this for 22 years, and you still look like you're 25. I don't know what you're doing, but uh, well done. Easy, but good living, my friend. Easy, good living. There you have it, from the uh, right from the horse's mouth, man. But uh, I'd love to hear your backstory. You have a really cool backstory. Uh, you know, you were. T- I mean, we were having a drink the other day, and you were telling me before you got into all this uh, cocktail nonsense, as we like to say, you were looking at fashion, man. And it's and, and as I think of Todd Thrasher, I always think like that guy is supremely well dressed. So that made a lot of sense to me. Tell me about this this pre cocktail, pre industry kind of uh, desire to get into fashion, man. Well, thank you very much for uh, saying that. Very good dress, but uh, um, so when you're 18 years old, you have to make that big decision. What am I going to do for the rest of my life? So at 18 years old, I decided I wanted to design tennis shoes. So that was kind of like in the big Nike revolution, Air Revolution, Jordan, things like that. So I was very much in to tennis shoes, and my my first real job was working at a uh, tennis shoe place called the Athlete's Foot here in Alexandria, and. Loved it. Loved tennis shoes. Spent every bit of money I had to buy tennis shoes. That's it. Tennis shoes, tennis shoes, tennis shoes. Do you, have, do you still have a big old collection, man? I have switched from Nikes to a, a Spanish shoe called Camper. 
And that is now my my big uh, shoe vice. That's your jam, huh? <laughs> oh my gosh, man, it's terrible. So dude terrible. starts in shoes, man. Yeah. So and where does it go from there? So I went to college at uh, Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond. I never really left far from home in Arlington. Um, went to college. Uh, needed to make some cash on the side while you're going to college. So I got a, uh, a job, you know, as a waiter slash bar back. And then uh, two years into that job. The bartender didn't show up for work, and so the manager says, do you know how to bartend? And, of course, as a good bartender, you tell stories and lie. And uh, so I had a Mr. Balson's book in my back pocket, and I started bartending. Dude. So going after college, never really got back into the fashion after I I, I left VCU and came back to Northern Virginia. Um, Kind of just stayed bartending and stayed waiting tables and stayed in the restaurant business. And like you said, 22 years later, man. Three restaurants, numerous, you know, accolades, and but still working day by day and making cocktails and taking care of wine and doing those kind of things. Yeah, well, I feel a real kinship with you. I don't have all, I don't have the James Beard Awards, man, but I know how it is to be opening restaurants. Sometimes there's this, you know, there's this image that, you know, you have, you know, a well-known place, maybe a couple of them, and that you're just, you know, rolling around in your Range Rover and jumping in your helicopter and heading up to the Bugaboos to do some skiing. But the reality is, uh, most of us we're still we're still jamming hard on the ground in our spaces. And uh, I always appreciate, you know, uh, the hard work that I see uh, with my uh, my fellow restaurateurs. Yeah, but, I'm still uh, I'm still waiting for the helicopter. Yeah, dude. I'm, still, I'm working I'm working on that. That's the the goal: a helicopter and a driver. Dude, I yes. downgraded to the hovercraft, man. The <laughs> oh, hovercraft. Nice. Just because I remember G.I. Joe, they had that big hovercraft, man. That thing was dope. That was it. I'm regressing, man. But uh, so you become a bartender. The next thing, the thing that you really became kind of, I think you you made your bones with in the industry was was your uh, talent in wine. And and, and that predated kind of the kind of culture of craft cocktails that that surrounds Todd Thrasher. Right. Tell me about how you got into wine. Sure. So left uh, Richmond in 1993, came back home to Arlington. Got a job working at a restaurant called the Carlisle Grand Cafe in Arlington, um, waiting tables, bartending, service bartending. Um, and that's kind of where I, I started thinking about wine as something I'd like to drink. You know, before, you know, at age 24, 25, the only thing I was really drinking was Captain Morgan and RC Cola. RC, RC. man. <laughs> Good. That's, you're old, dude. <laughs> that's right. I have a gray beard. Um, so, yeah. So, working at the Carlisle Grand Cafe, they had... You know, it's in infancy of fine dining, really, in Washington, D.C., and they had a nice little wine list. I remember the, I still remember the first wine that I ever tasted. It's like, oh, I like wine. And that was uh, Sonoma Couture Les Pierres, which has now become an iconic, you know, big, oaky, buttery California Chardonnay. But that's the one that, for me, it was like, okay, I like wine, and I'm going to start reading about wine. I think, especially when you and I were coming up in the restaurant business or bar business, the internet didn't exist, so you actually had to go out and get books and read books about wine and read books about spirits and, and all that kind of stuff. So basically, all I did was read and drink wine for probably four or five years. Cocktails, spirits, really kind of, well, they weren't really on the forefront back then anyway, but all I did was read about wine, drink wine, learn about wine. And in 1995, went to the, uh, took the, uh, certified uh, quartermaster Moyes exam and started really getting into wine. And um, after I w- did that, that was probably 1995, 1996, 1996, um, started, looked for another job. I wanted to move from 
you know, Arlington, Virginia, and, and go to the big city, you know, three and a half miles away to Washington, D.C. Um, got a job working at a little restaurant called Cafe Lantico. Oh, yeah. I know so, where we're going now. So worked there. Got a job as a bartender slash bar manager um, before they opened. Uh, and then there was this young chef named Jose that was working there. And he and I are about a year apart, even though he looks much older than I do. Totally, totally. Man. I love the guy. We play golf all the time, but uh, I always harass him about that. But he was this young chef from Spain by way of New York and um, saying that we're going to do a wine list here. You're going to do a cocktail list, and you're in charge of it. And I'm like, uh, what do you mean, <laughs> chef? Chef, what do you mean I'm in charge of it? He's like, you're a bartender. You know a little bit about wine, so we're gonna, you're going to do this. This is now your job. So basically, Jose Andres just kicked me in the butt and said, this is what you're going to do. This is the your career path you're taking. You may not know it yet, but this is the career path you're taking. And I'm already on this career path, so you're either with me or you're not. So I said, oh, yes, chef. You know, the two greatest words in the restaurant business, yes, chef. So that's where it all started. You know, we opened Cafe Lantigo in 1996. I did the whole wine list. We did an all South American wine list, which in 1996 was revolutionary to say the to least. To say the I least, mean, man. You know, people knew Concio Toro and Big Jugs, and that's it. But there was so much more out there. Um, and then... In 1996, you said big jugs. Big jugs. That's right. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. It's like Twin Peaks. Yep. Um, so in 1996, also, the cocktail revolution had not yet quite started. I think in America, we probably maybe knew about one guy in America that was actually doing cocktails that maybe you have seen on you know, the, the Today Show one yeah. time, and he would have a red jacket on, and that was Dale. Dude, Dale DeGroff, man, he is such a legend in our industry, has influenced so many of us, man. Todd, this is such an awesome conversation. we got to skip out for, uh, for a few minutes here. Uh, you are listening to us here on the, at the Liquid Lifestyle on the Radio Northwest Network. We're chatting with Todd Brasher in Washington, D.C. We'll be back at you in a moment. And welcome back to us. Uh, welcome back uh, to the Liquid Lifestyle here on the Radio Northwest Network, where once again we are on the road. We're in Washington, D.C. Specifically, we are kicking it in Alexandria, Virginia at Restaurant Eve with five-time James Beard-nominated bartender Todd Thrasher. Todd has had such a massive influence on all things cocktails, wines, and deliciousness here on the East Coast. In our first segment, he was just kind of leading us in uh, to, to how he got involved with all this. He uh, he was telling us how, you know, started with kind of an interest in fashion after college and then into bartending and then a fascination in wine. And then, dude, he just had this, you were telling me, you were telling us that this linchpin moment to work with, you know, world-renowned chef Jose Andres at Cafe Atlantico. He kicks you in the can, says, you need to do a cocktail program uh, for us here. This is 96, you know, this is just, you know, like you were saying last segment, you know, this there was like one guy, Dale DeGroff in New York at the Rainbow Room doing some interesting That's cocktail it. stuff. But that was about it. So, so where did you get your? So again, no internet, no real internet. How did you go about developing your first cocktail culture, man? Yeah, Al Gore did not invent the internet yet. So, um, <laughs> you know, I got books. You know, I would go to whatever the local bookstore back in those days. I don't even remember what the bookstore was around here, but I just would go and get books on. So, Cafe Lantico was Nuevo Latino. 
so encompassing Caribbean, Central America, and South America. So basically what I did, I went to get cookbooks on Central American and South American cooking. I got wine books on that also. And then also, uh, back then, again, not a lot of spirits books out there, but there were a few out there. So I learned about Caipirinha. Like, what the heck? I couldn't even pronounce Caipirinha back then. Like, what the heck is that? Learned about Pisco. Learned about a mojito. Like, what the heck? And you know what I also learned about, which was crazy, a daiquiri. And huh. I, it wasn't strawberry, and it didn't have whipped cream on it. That's so interesting. Isn't man. that insane? So basically, what I did, I took all those cocktails, those original cocktails from um, Cuba, from Chile. I'm sorry, Chile, Pisco, you know, that's the, the big debate, Peru. Right. Um, there was also another Chilean cocktail named Shoofly. Uh, and I just took all of those cocktails in original forms as I could find and just made five cocktails on a cocktail list at this New Wave Latino bar slash restaurant where, you know, I'm in charge of the beverage program. And unbelievably, it took off. People didn't know how to pronounce caipirinha, but they would drink them all the time. They didn't know what pisco was, and you're going to put an egg white in a cocktail? Are you crazy? In 96, that's a, that's like Insane. heresy. Right, yeah. right, right. So unbelievable. Uh, you know, I'm a 25-year-old, 24-year-old, young punk bartender. Looking good in those suits, though, man. I wore guayabetas back then. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, we we had a little bit more casual. Uh, oh, okay, all right. This is pre-dope suit Todd Thrasher. Pre-dope. I'm getting out of pre-dope. I'm getting out. Post-dope it's suit. It's post-dope suit. I'm out. I right, want to dress more like North. this at this point. <laughs> it's Lululemon and North Face for Todd That's for the right. rest, for the rest of right. his career. But uh, Yeah, so we make this cocktail program, and we make a wine program, all South American, Central American, Caribbean focused. Unheard of again. I mean, just crazy. Now, I was very, very lucky because this young chef, Jose, blew up. I mean, he was like... That's an understatement, man. Understatement, for sure. And he and I were, you know, every day, you know, as a chef and a bartender working together every day, hanging out, drinking wine after work, having sips of rum after work, and just sips, sips, <laughs> sips, you know, and, and just listen to him. And, and I think as all young bartenders should do, just listen to people, whether it's your guests coming in or people that have been doing it before you, you just have to listen and, and really take everything in. Jose had an amazing amount of uh, experience. He worked at El Bouilly, which no one had ever heard of at that point. He worked in New York at El Camino Real, which no one had ever heard at that point. And I just took everything he said to me and I listened to it. And that's how I became you know, a, a somewhat midland decent bartender, by just listening to people. And you know, back then, no one would ever write about a bartender or a chef back then because that was a blue collar job. Being a chef, if you would back then, if you were to tell your parents, I want to be a chef for a living, they're like, what are you crazy? And that was the same thing with bartending up until maybe like five or six years ago. You know, um, you know, it's a blue collar career. So I just listened to Jose and he said, do more things. Take So I just started stealing every idea from the kitchen and putting them in to the cocktail program, which, you know, back in 1997 at that point, 1998, no one was doing that kind of stuff. I mean, the big drink back then may have been a cosmopolitan if that was even around back then. You know, I don't even know if that, when that came into Yeah, uh, I mean, more, it's, that's, you're right about the right time there with the cosmopolitan. That, as I recall, so you're, you know, you're, you know, I've been doing this a little bit of time too. You're a couple years ahead of me. My first gig was in 96. Yeah. And I recall, and I, and I was very fortunate to go right into, you know, I guess what we call the beginnings of craft 
craft bars working at a place called Bema in Portland, Oregon, where we had to squeeze juice from these yellow and green orbs, man. What was that all about back Crazy, then? But right? I was, you know, like you exposed to the right. culinary components of what would become the, the, the kind of the craft cocktail renaissance. So, so I, you know, you, you're at Atlantico, you do your first cocktail menu. Uh, do you continue to work with Jose? What's the next so, move after that? So for, I, I stayed at Atlantico, started in 1995 and I left in 2002. So for me, the whole cocktail thing hit me in 1999. It was like, okay, I can make cocktails and I'm going to make a living at this, working in a restaurant, making cocktails. So there's the, the local food critic was not, well, the food critic now, his name's Tom Sietzma. He was not the food critic at the Washington Post then. He worked for a little online thing called Sidewalk.com that was Microsoft Sidewalk.com. He came into the restaurant. I mean, I don't have, you know, have any idea who this guy is. And he wrote up one of my cocktails, and it was just took off. Then after he wrote up one of my Which cocktail, cocktail was that? So it was called the Passion Fruit Cocktail. It's Passion Fruit, and I made a simple syrup of ginger and jalapeno, and it was with rum. And oh, that so sounds horrible. It, it was absolutely terrible. And it's still on some of Jose's menus, which I think is the best thing in the world. That means it's part of the revenue development program. <laughs> that is part of the revenue development program. And, you know... But, Using fresh passion fruit in a cocktail back then. I mean, even now, people don't use fresh passion fruit because yeah. it's such a pain. It is so, a pain. Those a are beautiful. But I tell you, fresh passion fruit oh like pulp, if you hack one of those bad boys in half, it's, it's, it's one of the best smells you're ever going to I agree with right. that. It's like floral, funky, right. awesome, man. Yeah, so that happened. And then Michael Batterberry from Food Arts Magazine. Oh, man, bless his soul. That guy was so sweet. Amazing. So he did this whole article on Jose, like a 15-page spread. And I got a page in there about a cocktail. And that's when, for me, I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I'm on the path now. So wine, cocktails. And my next move for me was, you know, I worked at a place for seven, eight years. And I really wanted to open my own restaurant. Dude, I'm going to stop you right there, Todd, because time is flying. Once again, you are with us on the Liquid Lifestyle on the Radio Northwest Network. We are chatting with five-time James Beard-nominated bartender Todd Thrasher here on Pitt Street in Alexandria, Virginia. And we will be back at you in just a few minutes. Welcome back to the Liquid Lifestyle here on the Radio Northwest Network. As always, this is your on-air bartender and host, Ryan McGarrian. And once again, we're kicking it in Alexandria, Virginia with my man Todd Thrasher, five-time James Beard Award-nominated chef. We're actually just sitting in his beautiful restaurant, Restaurant Eve, uh, nine-time James Beard-nominated restaurant. Uh, This guy's got uh, a few things to put on his mantle. But just to reset uh, the last segment a little bit, we had, uh, you know, we got through your backstory and, you know, the influential days that you had with... uh, Chef Jose Andres at Cafe Atlantico, and how, uh, gosh, I mean, when I, when I hear your story, it just reminds me how early you were uh, with regards to doing, you know, a lot of stuff that we now call craft cocktails. So uh, we left off, you, you starting to think about a very crazy idea of opening your own restaurant. Tell us about how that came together. 
So working at Cafe Atlantico, wanting more than just, you know, generally managing the place and, and bartending to really make a career for myself um, and make a career. I had met my, my now wife, you know, we've been together for whew, going on 16 years now. So I met her there and, you know, we just started talking about, you know, what's the next step? Because I'm not going to, I don't want to work for someone else for the rest of my life. So, you know, the next step was either open a restaurant with Jose, but at that point, Jose had already had his business partners or, you know, roll the dice, man. Just, you know, mortgage what I had. I had a, a condo at that point, a mortgage what you have, find a partner because I can't cook. I mean, I can cook for home, but I can't cook for restaurants. Um, and I, I didn't want to just do a bar back then. I wanted to do a restaurant. So, um, Got into you know talking to people. I knew my business partner here uh, through his wife. He, she and I had worked together uh, for a short time at a hotel. So they were going to open a restaurant in Alexandria, Virginia, which is pretty much back then a dining pit. Mm. There was nothing down here except you know terrible old school. Those restaurants. are big dice you rolled. Yes, big dice. Everyone thought we were crazy for opening here. So they're like, we're going to open a restaurant in Old Town. Would you be interested in doing all this? Um, with us and I'm like you know what I was at a crossroads at that point because I was I had signed on with another chef kind of did some fundraising did some things and then he kind of just walked out on me one day and took a job because he got somebody offered him you know six figures yeah you know you gotta in the immortal words of our friend Dave Wondrich paychecks are good (laughs) so he took that route and then I was kind of left like oh god what am I gonna do um, so I had really had this epiphany that I'm going to leave the restaurant industry. I was kind of fed up with it. And uh, I'm going to grow my hair long and grow a beard. And I'm going to go learn to be a scuba diving instructor. Oh, that sounds fun. So left uh, D.C. for two months, went and became a scuba diving instructor. Where, where was that at? So I just went to Fort Lauderdale to a place called Pro Dive. And fun. I was already a dive master, but learned to do everything and came back. Ready to move. Ready to move to the island called Bonaire. My wife and I. Oh, my Bonaire. wife was going to teach uh, school. I was going to teach scuba diving and we're out. Oh, man. And then Chef found out, Chef Armstrong here, found out that I'm out. And he said, he calls me one day and says, hey, how would you like to come and put the wine list together for us and do a cocktail program? And I'm like, you know what? I'm selling the condo. As soon as the condo's out, we're going to move. So I'll, I'll come and help you. And I said to him, I was like, you don't have to pay me. I'm like, I'll do the cocktail list. I'll make the wine list, but I don't want any money. And uh, so that went on for about a month and a half before opening here and um, got to the to the point of opening. And we had not sold a condo. And then I get this here at the restaurant the day of opening. He's like, after the night after we opened, he's like, okay, I haven't paid you yet. So how about you just become my partner? That's, that's how it's and done. That's how it's done. And uh-huh. 12 years later... You know, we have three restaurants together. I never moved to Bonaire. I go visit, I go diving. But, you know, that's how it all started here 12 years ago, that one faithful evening, April 19th, 2004. Wow. It's it's amazing, like, when you have such a seminal moment in your career, how, how you can remember the day and the yeah. time. And uh, it kind of reminds me of my story with Aviation Gin. It's like, you know, I just got involved to help... You know, you know, Christian over at House Spirits uh, develop a really exciting gin. Didn't think much of like what that meant for me, you know, financially or as an owner. Uh, and and then that was just kind of thrown at me at the very end, like, hey, why don't we be partners? So that actually really, really right. resonates with me. And I think you said something important too. If you worry about financials, you're never going to have them. You know, just don't worry about it. It's if you work hard and you 
don't worry so much about cash, it's going to come to you. You yeah. know, that's yeah, it's yeah. true. I mean, it's it's uh, this is a tough game. That is a tough dance we have. You know, having as much passion as we do for creating, you know, product and epic service experiences and, and trying to pay the bills and trying to employ people. Uh, I mean, this is, you know, the people who do it right, the Danny Myers and, and the many other great restaurateurs around the world who are able to manage, you know, the quality and the revenue, which allows the people to maintain their jobs. It's it's something to behold. But uh, so tell me a little. So you, let's talk Restaurant Eve, yeah, man. So tell me about this restaurant we open, from top to bottom. Yeah, Restaurant Eve, we open fancy, fancy white tablecloth, fine dining. Um, we had kind of two concepts in one. So we had the bistro, which was an a la carte menu, you know, and then we had the tasting room, which was a five or seven course tasting menu and kind of a dual concept all under one roof. Um, most important thing was quality of ingredients. I also, I had a defining moment with Armstrong here one day. I had gone to Safeway, which is our local grocery store. Yeah, we have those too. Yeah, I have the Safeway PNW, out there, okay. man. Oh, yeah. So um, I got some Driscoll strawberries. Okay. Um, Driscoll strawberries, you know, mm, were, sure. you know, grown in Chile uh, a year and a half ago, put on a slow boat to America and then put in a warehouse at 32.4 degrees somewhere in Kentucky sprayed with all kinds of stuff they don't taste like strawberries and he said to me that day when I went there I, I came to the I was going to make a strawberry cocktail and I came in the kitchen started making stuff and he looked at them and he just threw them in the trash like pissed off at me for buying he's like what the are you doing with this you know we have beautiful strawberries from David you know a farmer uh, he said use those strawberries and I said to him I said yeah but those for the kitchen not for the bar and it was a defining moment in my life. He's like, the bar is just as important as a kitchen. Don't you ever forget it. So this restaurant was focused on quality of ingredients first and foremost, which, you know, quality of ingredients really drives prices. So we're an expensive restaurant, expensive cocktails, but everyone understood what we were doing. We're just using quality. We're using it as local as we possibly can. You know, we are in the mid-Atlantic, so sometimes in the deeper winter, you're not going to get a lot of stuff. Dude, it gets it gets cold. It yeah, gets, gets Valley cold. Forge up in it, here. It does get Valley Forge up in here. So, Restaurant E was opened, tasty menu-centric, uh, but a neighborhood restaurant altogether with a, you know, a place, a bar up front where everyone can come in and have cocktails that you know, maybe they had never seen. Again, we're talking 12 years ago. That mm. Still, the craft cocktail movement was in its infancy 12 years ago. Very much so. So what I really noticed here, I remember the first cocktail I did here on the menu, the first one I created was a tomato water Bloody Mary because we opened in April. Oh, I remember reading Tomatoes about that, man. Tomatoes just hit in April and it was a clear Bloody Mary. People came in and were like, I want a, I want a Bloody Mary. And then it comes to the table, it's crystal clear. And they're like, what the is this, you know? Like, it's crazy. And then I started seeing, because fine dining restaurants, everyone would come in and start with champagne, right? That's what fine dining does. Everyone started coming in and started with cocktails, which was a crazy thing for the restaurant business. The food critics came in and started talking about cocktails and cocktail this, cocktail this, cocktail this. It was so bad. Armstrong got so upset with, he called it the summer of cocktails. The summer of cocktails. They were only writing about cocktails. And, and what? So this is 2000. That's, so that's 2000, probably the summer of 2005. Okay, that, that sounds right. That's yeah. right, right there when things are just, you're seeing a massive shift at that point. Right. Yeah, I, I, that, that was the summer of cocktails. Summer of cocktails. That was when Food and Wine wrote that big kind of like, you know, the year of the cocktail. That was to me a seminal moment in, be, in, yeah. in, in bartenders being recognized as culinary professionals. That so. was it. Bartenders started being recognized, yeah. which is good and bad. 
I could. I, I, we've seen we've seen both sides of that sword. Yeah. So he had this idea. He wanted to open a fish and chip shop, and he's from Ireland, so fish and chips are. Yeah. Why not? So that was two thousand. End of two thousand five. We started looking to open our place. Open a a chip shop, and um, we found a place right up the street. And because I was so cocktail centric here, I wanted to kind of take some of the cocktail centricness out of the fine dining restaurant and right. kind of put it back to more on the food because yeah. the food is why people come here. They don't yeah. come here for the cocktails. I, you know, I'm a real uh, don't short sell well. yourself, but yes, I mean, it's, yeah. it is restaurant Eve. So it is restaurant Eve, right? So um, we started looking for a fish and chip shop and that was end of 2005. And in early 2006, a local person that comes to our bar here at restaurant Eve all the time says, Hey, I have a, a space up the street that uh, someone took it over, did some construction on it, but we're underfunded. Do you want to look at it for um, a fish and chip shop? We're like, okay, cool. So literally the next day we go up there and we go in and it is perfect. The building's from 1870. Got to jump in real quick, Todd. We have, we have reached the end of the third segment here on The Liquid Lifestyle. Uh, we're having a great conversation with Todd Thrasher, proprietor of Restaurant E, five-time James Beard-nominated bartender. Moving into our last segment in just a few minutes. Uh, stay with us. Welcome back to The Liquid Lifestyle with us here on the Radio Northwest Network. As always, I am your host and on-air bartender, Ryan McGarry, and I'm sitting here with Todd Thrasher, five-time James Beard Award-nominated bartender here uh, at Restaurant Eve, where he's also the proprietor, uh, and he has a couple other places. He's been sharing his journey with us and uh, talking a lot about Restaurant Eve, which, man, he should be. And uh, But you were talking about your the next project, uh, which was originally going to be fish and chips, uh, and then it became something else, huh? Right. So originally looking for a fish and chip shop to fish and chips and nothing else so we walk up the street four blocks and our local resident david who owns the building said to us this is it chef and i walk in chef and i and his wife michelle walk in we're like it's perfect it's a little place thousand square feet little kitchen in the back it's perfect and then david says do you want to see upstairs And we're like no we're good this is all we need for our fish and chip shop and he's like yes but you have to take the upstairs too it's all the building and we're like all right, so we walk upstairs, and it's a uh, plywood bar with broken mirrors everywhere and all this ornate woodwork. Huh, crazy. And I, at that moment in time, I'm like, I've been here before. And then I have this vision of my dad in this place. And I'm like, I've been here before. And then, and let's so January of 2006, realistically, the only craft cocktail bars slash let's say speakeasy style bars was angel share in new york city and pegu club in new york city and that was pretty much and milk and honey i guess was open at that point i had never ever been to a bar like this so as we're upstairs and michelle chef's wife says what can we do here i'm like i have no idea but we could just open a little bar i'm like why not? Sometimes my, it's just that simple, isn't it? Well, it's just a little bar. My grandfather uh, grew up in um, Missouri, but would go to Illinois, and he would tell me about these bars he went to called Blind Pig. So I'm like, why don't we just open one of those things? It's you know, but it's kind of crazy because we're in a sleepy little old town, you know. So 
we left there and it's like, okay, we're going to open a, a speakeasy. Oh, and like, what the heck's a speakeasy back then? No one, you know, other, you know. This is 07, right? 06. 06. January of 06. So we're like, okay, we're going to open a fish and chip shop on the bottom and a speakeasy on top. Rolling the dice again because who's going to come to these places? Fried food and cocktails. Didn't really uh, make sense. So opened PX and uh, Amon's in July. I'm sorry, June of 06. And it's been there almost 10 years, too. So little cocktail bar. Downstairs, fish and chips only. And then upstairs is a, a small little cocktail bar with 16 cocktails. Rotate weekly. We're only open four days a week, uh, Wednesday through Saturday. And uh, we've been going for it'll be 10 years next june and it's a sweet place man that's the first time i got to experience your talent is rolling up the stairs at px yeah. man it was about, about five or six years yeah. ago man and uh what a delight i mean like you're right it just has this uh, uh the kind of timelessness obviously it was it's been around for a long time but you just it's it was really cool i bet it was very gratifying for you to 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 you know to have that place to just be the centerpiece for your passion and talent for mixing drinks. That must have been really gratifying. Right. It's it, that place. You know, I love Restaurant Eve and I love Society Fair or other place. But for me, that's home to me. You know, I, I created that place for literally I created it for my wife and I. So you could go to a bar because I like to drink. I love it. It's fun. Not too much. Drinking's fun. Folks. Drinking is fun. You heard it. You heard it from five time <laughs> James Beard nominated bartender Todd Thrasher right but, there. But you know what I didn't like about drinking in bars is being crowded. So I opened that bar very selfishly for my wife and I so we could have a bar to go to where we could have a good cocktail and have conversation. That was a whole thing for that bar. That's cocktails that's, and conversation. That uh, was it. That's, and it's still I don't you know, it's it's thirty seats, no more than thirty people ever go in there at one time and it's quiet and you could have a conversation and I, I think for me it's it's kind of home, you know. Like I'll go over there and just yeah. sit in the chair. You earned that bar, Todd. Uh, I mean, can you imagine? Yeah. The so, bar. dude, we're coming up to the end here. Just real quick, got a minute, man. What's next? So, uh, against uh, some better judgment, I'm going to open a distillery. Yeah. I'm going to open a tiki bar. Yeah. And we're going to open a Asian restaurant. Yes. Yes. The trifecta. The trifecta. The thrasher trifecta. Let's see how roll the dice. That's All right. kind of the story of the last 12 years of my life. So roll the dice. Oh, man. We're doing it in a, a three block radius. So it's going to work. Oh, Thrasher's man. rum coming soon. Dude, I love it, dude. I mean, you've always, I was like, dude, like how did that guy just totally crush the lottery on last, last name. <laughs> my son has a better name than me now. Oh, what would you get? What'd you, what'd you so gloss him? My, my middle name is Michael. So Todd, Michael Thrasher. My son's name is Tristan Noah Thrasher. Oh, dude, so you're, you're a legend of the fall guy, aren't you? TNT. No, Knights of the Round Table. Oh, Tristan and Nisa Lote. No way. Yes. That's yes. so cool, man. So, but he got the best initials, TNT. Dude, Todd, such a pleasure chatting with you, man. I get to sit here in this spectacular restaurant, get to listen to you uh, kind of tell your story, and all of our listeners are getting the same thing at this very moment. But, uh, brother, I just wish you six success. I can't wait to see what's coming out of the Thrasher Distillery and, and, and what else you're going to be doing in the coming years. So uh, we got to jump out. Thanks for listening. This is Ryan McGarrian, your on-air bartender and host. This is the Liquid Lifestyle on the Radio Northwest Network. We're out.